This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. He put TikTok in there and that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. And Willis. Please do not mistake my talking right now with interest in talking to you. End of speech. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. Hello, everyone. We're back. Yes, just like the movie, we're back. Uh, yes. <laughs> My brain did it too. And then, yep. <laughs> Calling it out before you can this time. Should we change our theme song to the theme song from We're Back? And then just get destroyed by copyright. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. Um, but no, we're back with Pixel Splitters, everybody. We got some interesting topics to talk about this week. Disney Plus has just announced their pricing <laughs> tiers for or their pricing um i guess just their yeah, pricing tiers. for their new yeah. tiers for their ad uh supported tier and their non-ad supported tier and we have to talk about it because <laughs> we've been talking about this since yeah. they announced it and there's some wrinkles going on there so we're going to talk about that we also have to talk about the for me long-awaited news that Friday the 13th is finally coming back the, for the first time since I think 2009. You know? Sounds about right. And, uh, is that and I'm Freddy excited. versus Jason too? That was, no, that was the remake of Friday the 13th, which was not great. But, you know, <laughs> Platinum Dunes, what are you going to do? Hey. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And we also, of course, we got to talk about the Russo bros because we always have to. Whenever they're and whether, in the news. Whenever they're in the news and um, whether or not we think that they're good for the industry, bad for the industry, what they're actually doing with their power as they have so much, there's a lot to go over with them and their production company and all the things that they have slated to come out over the foreseeable future. So we're going to talk all about that as well. Um, but first, before that, I'm going to go over some weekly releases with you guys. Yes. Because we got a big one this week, guys. We have... Black Panther Wakanda Forever coming to theaters on Friday, or I guess Thursday night. Uh, this is probably the biggest movie of the second half of the year, I would assume. Maybe. You could probably make an argument for biggest of the yeah, year in of terms year. of anticipation. I don't know if it'll unseat Top Gun Maverick. The, yes, the anomaly. But, <laughs> but if anyone was to do it, it's going to be this one. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm a huge Ryan Coogler fan, uh, and I'm really intrigued to see what they do with this because of obviously the passing of Chadwick Boseman and how yep. they're going to handle that whole situation and how this is going to fit into the MCU as a whole. So I'm very excited. Are you going to be seeing this opening weekend? <sighs> if you didn't get tickets already, it's a no, but Oh, well then no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to see it as soon as possible. Um, yeah. But this is one that my wife will want to come to, which adds mm. a uh, yes layer of timing to it. Um, Gotcha. Um, well, I will be seeing it on Sunday, so I won't give any spoilers, but you'll have some of my general thoughts next week. It's one of those things that you got to see it soon enough so that you don't get spoilers. And I feel like there will be spoilers pretty yes. pretty quick on this one. They're kind of, yeah, there has to be. The YouTube um, algorithm will feed them to me whether I want them or not. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, it's all going to yeah. come through. Um, so that's pretty much it for theatrical, for streaming. No real movies, but for shows, we got a couple things coming back. We got The Crown coming back for a new season. 
which I don't want. Do you watch The Crown? I have wa- I watched three seasons of The Crown. Okay, okay. And then never watched the season finale of season three. <laughs> well, that's... I never came back to it. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. I think something else came out and it displaced it for it, and then we never went back, but... Sure, sure. Um, it's a really good show. I've heard. Yeah. And it's back. It'll be yeah. back on... Uh, actually, With it was the, back a couple days ago. Princess Diana in it now. Yes. Which yes. may have been last season, too. I don't follow it. Who, who knows? <laughs> But that's coming out or came out on the ninth on Netflix. We have Moonshiners, which I actually love. It's a really hilarious, just like kind of a um, true TV style show that's coming back on Discovery. It actually came back on the ninth as well. Also on the ninth, we have the Savage X Fenty show, which is Rihanna's brand, which I think is just their fourth show, which is cool. That's on Prime. Um, we also have Town to Earth with Zac Efron coming on the eleventh. I don't Netflix. know what that is, but I'm intrigued all of a sudden. It's a down under one too. Like this is going to Australia, so maybe there's more of these. I don't, you know, sure. Zach Efron, sure. That, give me that's more Zac who Efron. I go to when I think Australian uh, Outback. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, we also have Mythic Quest returning yes. November 11th on Apple TV Plus. Absolutely love that show. Yep. Uh, Tulsa King premiering on Paramount Plus on the 13th, which is Sly. Yes, Sly. And is this a Taylor Sheridan show? Hold on. Give me just one second here. This, I feel like, very much feels like a show that Sylvester Stallone should not be the lead of. For sure, no. Every uh, every trailer I see this, I'm like, yeah, Stallone? This guy? Sure. All okay. Right. Um, it is Taylor Sheridan, Terrence uh, Winter. So Yellowstone, every show on Paramount Plus, basically. Uh, so could be good, could be bad. Who knows? Um. And then and speaking, <laughs> speaking of, of which Yellowstone is coming back for a new season on the same day, November 13th. On this feels Plus. like one of those things. <laughs> I don't know if the, like this works on Paramount Plus, but like this is clearly we will run the season premiere of Tulsa King after the season premiere of Yellowstone to get that yep. like overflow. You know, people are like, ah, I guess I'll keep watching this. Double the Sheridan on Sunday night. I don't know if I don't know if that works on a streaming platform, but. I, true, true. Who knows? They literally schedule it out so it doesn't release until it's an just hour all the after. same file. <laughs> it keeps uh, playing. And you're like, oh, okay. So all those Sheridan fans, you're gonna be <sighs> rock and roll in luck. Uh, so that's what we got coming this week. And without further ado, guys, let's just jump into this week's episode. So Disney Plus, we talk about them a lot, but they keep just like adding more and more to their file. We just keep having to bring them up over and over again. And uh, a couple of months back, we talked about the fact that they were in talks to be releasing a ad supported tier for their streaming service. Cause at that point they had only had one tier and it was the 799 tier, everything included. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? We're going to be for the people. We're going to do something that no one else does really. We're gonna we're gonna drop the price and give you ads just so everybody can experience what's on Disney Plus. And I kind of was like, you know what? I'm not gonna partake in that one, but sure, give me a $3.99 tier. Let people enjoy it who couldn't otherwise. Sure. They <laughs> released the pricing. But <laughs> <laughs> they released the pricing for their new tier as well as a shocking price bump for their non-ad supported tier uh 
And it looks like their ad tier will be the same price as their other tier used to be, $7.99, which completely obliterates their whole we're doing this for the people type of thing, which it's Disney. We know they're not in the market for that. We just talked about how they're integrating their shop into Disney Plus, you know, so they're really, not, they're they're for making yeah. money. But this is just, come on now. And they raise the price of their non-ad yeah. tier. <laughs> now it is worth to, to, to defend Disney, I guess, a little bit. It is sure. worth noting you can lock in your eight ninety or your $8 tier for a year. Somehow, if you're already a subscriber, sure, sure, um, you know, save that thirty dollars. Yeah, but yeah, I like what. Like what? What is this? <laughs> this is basically like if you cut through all of the propaganda here, they're basically saying, "Well, there's ads here now. If you have Disney Plus, you have ads now. Um, <laughs> if you want to not have ads." You, pay more. You got to pay more because um, we do ads now, which I don't know, man. I feel like I, I like I always have to put an asterisk anytime we talk about um, ad tiers of subscription yeah. services because like I'm not dealing with ads. I, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I've hit that point in my life that I'm like I anything that's ad supported. If there's a tier above it, that's only a few dollars more. I'm paying a few dollars more, uh, you know, for sure. and, and fully aware that that's like a super privileged thing for me to say. Um, but like, I'm not, I, I'm not, I, uh, in honor of the weird Al movie, uh, I started watching <laughs> the beginning of UHF. Yeah. Uh, which is his weird Al's movie from like the late eighties or early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched it on Tubi. And about 10 minutes in, an ad came on, and it was the most, like, jarring, insane thing, like, that my brain has experienced in a while. I was like, what? It's like, no, uh uh It threw me back to, like, watching, like, uh, you know, AMC movies back in, like, the early 2000s. It was like, oh, yeah, this movie's been cut for TV, and yeah, weird. It was weird. Right. And, And so for people in that situation... You know, paying an extra couple bucks for the non-ad supported tier is fine. But the mere fact that they they didn't like campaign this idea on the fact that they were going to make this more more affordable, but that was in the conversation, you yeah. know? And that just is completely like thrown out the window. Like they, they did this and it's like that's just not true, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the big question is how much is how much of this is competition with Netflix's ad tier, which is six ninety nine? Sure. From that angle, I see where Disney's mind is at, and like they're positioning themselves as like a higher quality, I guess, service than Netflix, which is a weird concept to begin with. Um, yeah. But also, I mean, you know, Disney's shares are at their like just hit their 52 week low today. Like they're, you know, they're as weird as it is to say comparatively hurting for money. Sure. Sure. Um, As weird as it is to say that about Disney and Marvel and Star Wars and Pixar and. um, Yeah. But it feels like a bait and switch, like real talk. Like it's like, 
I feel like I just suddenly pay for ads. Right. And they're like, yeah, if you don't want this, give us more money. It feels like a punishment almost. Yes. And whether or not you think that they're going to like, I wonder how many people will see the bump from seven to 10, which is like a few bucks, but it's not like completely inconsequential. It's like, I wonder how many people will see that and go, eh, ads or no Disney plus. Yeah. I guess I can deal with no Disney plus, you know? Yeah. Cause I know that I would probably be in that situation and be like, eh, well, Disney plus with ads, what are these ads even going to be? And also I read, I, I can't, I, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it'll be somewhere around four minutes of ads per hour. Per hour. Yeah. Which I'm like, that's which is a lot. not a lot. No, that's really? not a lot. Dude, Tubi is like, well, maximum. Okay. But if you like, compare it to like, oh man, I feel like I'm about to make myself sound dated. But if you compare like it to cable. like, yeah, like cable, where it's like, sure. an hour long show is 42 minutes. Sure. You know yeah. that, like that, to me, I I still saw four minutes. I was like, I can deal with four minutes in an hour. Sure, like, but you're not going to though. But I'm not going to no. Like you could, but you won't. Like that's the thing. It's yeah. like how many people will actually do it, um, versus how many people are like not subscribed to Tubi, and it's like, or Roku, like the Roku yeah. channel, like these are or Crackle, like these things that are free services that you pay through the ads. You know, yeah. So many people aren't going to deal with that just because of the ads. Are people going to pay for Disney Plus when like I tune in once a week for Andor? And then when there's nothing like that on, I'm not on Disney Plus. Well, that's the thing, though, with Disney Plus is they, I mean, all of last year and more or less all of this year, they have had a new show that is like a pop culture moment. Right. Constantly. Right. You know, be it and or or Mandalorian or yeah, Moon Knight or WandaVision. WandaVision. Do you see we're getting a uh, another? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. Uh, Vision, <laughs> Vision Quest. Yes. Yeah, they love their uh, their puns over yeah. there. <laughs> they're, they're never gonna. <laughs> but my initial reaction and the way that I'm thinking about this is is it's like you said it's a bait and switch and it's just blatantly a slap in the face. It's like, yeah, it it seems like it was like here's the promise of a cheaper tier that is just not. It's not. There is no cheaper. Like the cheaper tier is the the price that it used to be, and it's like that's just. <laughs> yeah, it the, feels like a punishment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels like a punishment. So, I'll be curious to see how many people end up actually bumping their subscription up to ten ninety nine versus keeping it seventy nine seven ninety nine versus just getting rid of it altogether. Because... Well, and so to fold into the whole, you can lock in your cost for a year. Yeah. What a weird concept that is because then this ad-based tier is literally just for new subscribers. Yeah. You know, I mean, next year we'll hit the point where it's like, hey, guess what? It's all gone up. But I would bet that there's something in the whole situation that's like in a year, this is just we're not going to tell you this is just going to increase. We're telling you now this is just going to increase. Right. And they're betting that most people won't realize yeah. Or we'll just be like, oh, well, shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like the the locking in for at, at your current price thing is a very strange concept to me because 
they've announced this. What's to prevent me from signing up right now? And I mean, I don't know. I haven't tried this. So maybe there's like a time limit. Yeah. But from signing up right now, being like, yeah, lock me in for eight ninety nine or for seven ninety nine for the next year. Mm-hmm. Then is, like, are they trying to create a rush to get subscriptions before I think it's December 8th? I mean, to lock in. It's possible because I think don't you have to do the yearly like you pay in full for the year to lock it in for seven ninety nine. Mm. So if they can get a ton of people to do that off the rip, that's yeah. a pretty substantial bump. That's in a payday. Revenue. Yeah. So maybe that's their whole goal, which is just even more like, oh my god, like <laughs> it's just a strange thing. That's we. Yeah. I feel like we could do a whole episode on yeah people's relationships with ads and yeah. Like how much, I don't know, just like the whole subscription model. A hundred percent. Like I'm way, I'm way more likely to pay $10 a month than to pay, you know, $84 to lock in at seven bucks or eight bucks. uh, Right. For a year. So kind of either way, they're getting a bump. Yeah. And it's like, uh, (laughs) weird. I don't know. I, I probably won't be doing any of these things. If anything, I might just like. If any of our listeners are economists, yeah, feel free to reach out and uh, help us understand how on earth this happens. Right, and why, and what the logic is behind something like this. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious, not necessarily surprised at this, um, especially from a corporation like Disney. So, I don't know. December eighth, lock in your year subscriptions, people. If you want Disney Plus for the next year at seven ninety nine, I guess um, <laughs> could be worth your while. <laughs> You got to see Weird. season two of Moon Knight, guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Got to watch Vision Quest. You got to get Vision Quest up on there. Uh, Andor is something I can I can recommend. Um, yeah. We'll see. I, I don't and, know. It just leaves uh, a bad House of Harkness. Aubrey Plaza just cast in House of Harkness. Dude, Excited. everyone's getting cast. Yeah. I'm like, yes, let's go. This is going to be the best Marvel show that they've made. So I'm I'm excited for that. Um, talking about massive franchises. It, there you go. Sure. Um, Friday the Thirteenth, a beloved, although not for any real good reason, horror franchise. Because if you've seen any Friday the Thirteenth movies, there's like maybe one good one. Much like a lot of these, honestly. Um, this is a massive franchise, though. This has the most move. Uh. I think Halloween yeah. has it beat, but this has had the most movies before yeah. David Gordon Green like came in. <laughs> um, but it's coming back, finally. It has been a long time. There's been a lot of issues, lawsuits, rights issues, licensing. Um, but it's coming back for a prequel series produced by A24, going to Peacock, which is an interesting... All of that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. We might unpack that. to unpack, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Friday the 13th, if people don't know, there was a long battle between the director of the original Friday the 13th movie, Sean Cunningham, and the screenwriter, uh, Victor Miller. And basically what's happened at this point is they just recently, over the past couple months, have sort of rectified what's going on here. And what's happening is um, basically one of them gets the rights to the characters in the name, one of them gets the rights to the original story. So that's why this is going to be a prequel series 
Jason's not going to be really a part of it. Like the names aren't going to be a part of it. It's going to be called Camp Crystal Lake. It's not going to be called Friday the 13th, yeah. which is be- all these stipulations. Um, But the new prequel show is being headed by Brian Fuller, who is someone you should be trusting. Top tier. With, yeah, top tier. Um, I mean, he does stuff now for Star Trek Discovery, but he was a writer on Heroes and Pushing Daisies and Hannibal and Dead Lightning. American Lightning. Gods. Like, he very much understands the structure of television from the early 2000s to now. So yeah. I, I have faith. Um, it's really interesting because they could have been making so much money off of this franchise in the past 11 years that yeah. there's been nothing. And it's just been like, no, I want the rights to this. I want the rights to this. And it, there's just something interesting going on with art and being like, I own this. And yeah. I think we talk about this with licensing and things coming into the public domain a lot. And like, mm-hmm. we should kind of just let people do what they want. But I mean, I don't think, do you have any relation to Friday the 13th at all? I have seen, I have seen a couple of the Friday of the 13th movies. Yeah. I couldn't for the life of me tell you which ones. Sure. Um, sorry. I just got a phone call from Romania. Oh, fun. Um, sp- spam. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't for the life of me tell you which ones. But I like I have a relationship with mm-hmm. uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Sure, um, I don't know it like anywhere near as well as I think I would have to to yeah get super excited about this. Like, I, let me ask you here. Yeah, do you think as if you were a casual Friday the Thirteenth fan, um, and there hasn't been a movie? For since 2011, you said 2009. 2009. Okay, so 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't been a, oh, nice 13 years. Uh, and you can't use Jason or hockey masks or the Friday the 13th name. Are they going to have an identity problem with this? Is they going to have a hard time being like this is like Jason Voorhees? Like, like Crystal Lake, like that. Remember, that was the whole thing. Like, that's my biggest concern with this is that people are going to be like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because even like casual fans of the series, like, I'm going to spoil Friday the 13th right now. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, you had 50 years to like figure that out. So that's on you. Um, Friday the 13th, the first movie is not about Jason Voorhees. In fact, he's not in the movie at all. It's about his mother and like learning about what happened to Jason when he was a kid. Yeah. That's what the movie's about. It's a really compelling kind of like, not like necessarily a revenge story, but like a, you know, a mother basically getting vengeance for her son. Yeah. Most people, Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees hockey mask. Like you just said, like that's the, that's the through line. And besides the first movie, Every movie has Jason, well, the second one doesn't, but three to ten has him in a hockey mask and it's him going around killing people. Yeah. So, yes, I think 100% they're going to have a really, really hard time getting people to understand what's going on. Because, I mean, past the first three, it's not even at Camp Crystal Lake anymore. And, like, we're going back to, like, before the 80s and it's, like, this whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is, for the hardcore fans, this is going to be great. But for the people who just know the name Friday the 13th, I mean, they're going to watch this and probably get nothing from it. Be like, where's Jason? Yeah. Like, why is he not killing? And like, that's not really what or this is. Or more to the point, are people going to go, oh, okay, I'll watch this. And then eventually they'll get to Jason Voorhees. But like, because of the, like, 
response to the lawsuits and like the settlement. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> right, right. Like they can't. <laughs> like get they're to not going to get there. This is all going to be Crystal Lake. Right, and maybe they'll work out some licensing things between now and then. Who knows? But I doubt it. Uh, that is my main concern with this. Is like they're not going to. The legacy of Friday the 13th, it's like Halloween. Like Halloween has become Michael Myers. Originally, yeah. Halloween was an anthology series that had nothing to do with Michael Myers. Yeah. But now they know it as Michael Myers. And I think that that's, that's what happens. It gets too narrow and people think about this as the one thing. So I think this is going to be a really, really good show. Yeah. I don't think that a lot of people who understand Friday the 13th are going to really show up for this because I don't even understand the marketing. Like, how are you going to market this show? Yeah. You know? Well, it's interesting that a couple of the articles uh, compare the idea to Bates Motel. Yeah. Um, which was like a series that was based off of Psycho, mm-hmm. Norman Bates, et cetera. Pretty decent um, uh, show. Yeah. Pretty decent show. And like deep cut. Mm-hmm. Like, Bates I don't Motel. know how many huge <laughs> Hitchcock fans are still floating around in the general population. You know? Yeah. Not that there aren't. Like, I don't want people sure. tweet not be going i love alfred hitchcock i love alfred hitchcock right. too Same, um, yeah. but like i don't know how many people going into bates motel were making the connection to psycho short of like i'm sure some of the ad campaigns had the like twink 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 song sure. in the background yep um so it, it's one of those i think it'll be interesting to see i'm sure it'll find some kind of audience that's not necessarily a um Friday the 13th fan base. Sure. But like, I feel like we're kind of getting into the, why make it a part of this franchise then? Exactly. Like we talk about that all the time. Like, can't this just like, you're going to find yourself beholden to things that maybe you don't necessarily want to be beholden to. And like, why not just say, yeah, we're going to do a horror series based around i I don't know i assume the camp is on a lake yeah (laughs) yeah yes you know and then then you're not tied to stuff like so you can have sharks in the lake and do a whole uh oh what's the shark movie there's sharks in the lake sharks in the lake shark night oh yeah (laughs) yeah shark night 3d there you go i don't know where that's when my brain went it's a deep cut. Oh my God. Talk about a deep cut. Yeah. Also, wow. here's another movie that here's another <laughs> horror movie that I have somehow seen. Like Yeah, you've seen like the worst the wor- ones somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but like this is something that excited me a lot when I read about it. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this might not work. I think the show is gonna be good. Yeah. But the excitement around Friday the 13th at this point, like, I don't even know people that are really huge fans of the series these days. Like, even those people, it's about Jason. Yeah. Like, it's it's about him and what's going... It's, like I just said, it's about Halloween, Michael Myers. As long as Michael Myers shows up and kills a bunch of people, like, that's what people are there for. And if this doesn't have it, maybe it will find its own crowd, and I think that would be amazing. But I think it's going to be a pretty hard sell, especially when, is it going to be just like a camp counselor show? It's going to be like Wet Hot American Summer, but like not as funny. (laughs) I'm like, because nothing happens until that fateful. I mean, maybe it's about 
what happens to him, but you can't use his name. So I'm like, how do you get around all of these little things? And well, the interesting thing there is you could always like dig in because so they have the rights to the original story, right? Yeah. So you could always dig into one minute detail and be like, actually, Jason Voorhees wasn't the first. Ah, sure. Murderer at Crystal Lake. You know, there was the Crystal Lake murderer. Sure. And there's like a history of negligence with the camp counselors. Uh, Yeah. Like you could. I mean, and that's the thing is like Brian Fuller is going to be great at pulling stuff like that together. Yes. His work with like the bizarre and like, honestly, like. Like a fair amount of like stuff about death. Yeah. Like I think back to pushing daisies and yeah. Like I remember really, but, but is it is about death and like dead like me is about death. Like yeah, there's there's something there that's gonna be. I'm like intrigued by this. I feel like I'm flip flopping all over the place in this conversation of like oh, I don't know. Well, it could be good, but <laughs> no, this is terrible. But it might be great. It's just hard. It's just hard because stuff like this doesn't come around very often. Where like like lawsuits like this, it's it's rarely a split. 50 50 it's yeah. usually like one person wins all or the other person does and here it's like well you can use certain parts of that and they can both they're now both free to make their own content about each kind of situation and i think that's interesting but like in the in this day and age where shows are struggling to find audiences yeah. that aren't you know if it's not marvel if it's not stranger things if it's not house of dragon Shows are just like falling flat because nobody sees them. I just hate to see a show like this where it's like, yes, kind of based on pretty huge IP, just kind of landing with a like a soft thud. Do you think so? The last, um, the last Friday the Thirteenth movie was two thousand nine. Yes. Do you think if it was two thousand ten and we were getting this, it would be wildly successful? Do you I think do. we're too far removed from the franchise? That's one of my main concerns is like at this point, like the the fans are waiting, but everyone else has kind of forgotten about what this even is. The only reason people know about Halloween is because they've been making them every two years yeah. f- forever. Nightmare on Elm Street, I really don't know if they're going to ever reboot that. It's just too weird, too gross, yeah. too gory, too disgusting. Well, and we just be- got Hellraiser and, you know. Yeah, and it was... Like and like, I, how many people are still familiar with Hellraiser? Like, there, there's exactly. we're removed. I feel like a little bit from these major, yeah, um, horror villains, really. Because and I mean, I love that I'm like making yeah, points yeah. about horror movies right now. But like, <laughs> I mean, right, you, I'm based off of what you're talking about, like what you talk about on this podcast. Like, we're in this different kind of horror world these days. Yeah, where. You know, you get things like Pearl and X and whatever movies I've totally not seen at all. Um, but they are I, I'm literally just parroting what you've told me on this podcast right now. But, you know, things that are like a elevated horror, the term you love so much. Sure. Um, yes. Well, love is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did mean that with sarcasm. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> but like, are, are these massive horror villains kind of just like not what? the pop culture is looking for right now and like our variations on that just going to fall by the wayside. I mean, 
I think so, because even like think about the really successful sh- movie horror movies that have come out over the past decade. It's the Conjuring movies. It's yeah. obviously these Halloween movies, but like they're not focused on the villain. Yeah, the Conjuring is successful because, like it or hate it, they're focused on the Warrens, Ed yeah. and Lorraine, and them kind of going from case to case and solving it. That's why that's been like endured over the past decade. And I don't think people are as like, let me get into the mindset of Jason Voorhees. Like, is I, that, I, I don't know. Is that your setup for Camp Crystal Lake, though? I if mean, you can't do Jason Voorhees, is that like, do you build maybe, a couple characters? Interesting. I mean, maybe and maybe that's why it'll be more successful. Because like, honestly, I'm thinking of all these one offs and like Pearl is ki- X and Pearl is a true anomaly. And some people hate that those movies because mm-hmm. it's your quote unquote sympathizing with the villain. And of course, Ty West is hearkening back to Texas Chainsaw and Friday the 13th, yeah. very much so, in which those movies are, let's see how Freddy kills this group of kids. How, let's see how Jason destroys this group of people. Like, that's what you're coming back from. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think that any of the successful horror movies over the past like decade have been about that. It's been about the family has endured. We've made it. Yeah. We destroyed the evil. And maybe that's just what culture and society is telling us that they want now, but Well, and not gonna lie, it's A twenty four produced. Yes. If there's yes. someone that's got their pulse on it. Yes. <sighs> I would like to see the producers on this show too, because uh, Yeah. That will it's, give me a little bit of a better understanding. <laughs> it's interesting because I'm like, I feel like this is a terrible idea. This Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> like, I feel like this is a terrible idea that's going to work just based on the people involved with it. It's like, like you put you put Brian Fuller there and you're like, oh, uh, OK. Produced by A24. Uh, oh, OK. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, huh. Maybe this could work. Like, yeah. Weird. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll say Andor again because it's like a show that really shouldn't work. Yeah. But you've got Tony Gilroy. So it works because this is somebody who understands storytelling television, not Star Wars. Like, that's, I think, what people get hung up on. It's like, you need to have someone who is just a hundred percent ingrained in the yep. culture of star Wars. He doesn't care about star Wars. He's yeah. made that very clear. He's like, I wanted to make a good show. That's what he's doing. I have faith in Brian Fuller and I have faith in a 24 that somewhere they're, they're having a meeting that makes sense. Yeah. They're, they're like, this is productive meetings a- are happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it's not two I'm producers like- doing Coke in a back room going, exactly. well, you know, like what if it was just like Mason Voorhees, <laughs> You know, it's the Platinum Dune style of uh, making movies, you know? Yeah, there you go. So we'll see what happens. I I will be watching this, of course. Um, everyone get your Peacock subscriptions ready, you know? <laughs> and uh, we probably won't see this for another year or two. So this might grab me, too, if I'm being honest. If it's good. I mean, a good yeah. show is a good show. And like I can deal with horror shows a lot better than I can deal with horror movies. Sure, sure. Because they have more so. time to sell me on stuff. <laughs> Um, it's true it's true um speaking on being sold on stuff there you go Ooh, no i don't like that because i'm definitely not sold on anything we're about to talk about no but 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 the russo bros um we've talked a lot about them this year 
We have. And it's because they keep putting themselves right in our crosshairs with all of these headlines and, and, and choices that they've been making. Um, and I mean, they are huge names in the industry right now. Some of the biggest. Yeah. For better and for worse. It's weird because I'm like, if you were to say name like the top directors working in the industry right now, yeah, I don't think they're there. You know, not with like Spielberg no. and Del Toro and Scorsese and et cetera, et cetera. But like if you talk about sure. most influential, oh, that's a different conversation. Yeah, no doubt. Because like Scorsese's <laughs> like a bunch of the major auteurs are just off in their own world doing their own thing now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Martin Scorsese doesn't want to play any games. He just wants to make movies. He wants to make movies. You know, Wes Anderson just wants to make movies. P.T. Anderson just wants to make movies. Exactly. Steven Spielberg maybe wants to have a little bit in there. He's getting back into just wanting to make movies. He wants movies. people to still shoot film, you know. Sure. But. For a while there, he was in the whole, you know, um, he did a lot of like the BFG and uh, yeah. stuff that was much Hugh, more in or, Tintin. Uh, yeah. I was going to say Hugo, yeah. but that's Scorsese. But that's yeah, Scorsese. same kind of thing. Um, but to bring it back to the Russos, yes, they've been... I guess like a target for us a lot just because of the way that they talk about films, the way they talk about yeah. the process, the way that they have been so basically embedded in the Disney Marvel machine, know, machine yeah. as it were. The reason we're bringing them up today is for two reasons. The first one is because I texted you this blurb from them, which I just saw as a title and then I read the article and it didn't get any better. And it basically was them talking about their or their produced Disney Hercules film, which is actually being created and directed by Guy Ritchie, which is like, okay, um, did Aladdin not give you what you needed? Like, <laughs> are we not ready to get out Is there out of a this? conversation in a room somewhere where <laughs> Aladdin was a success? Was a success? And they're just, like, well, you know what we need to do, more Dude, he does Aladdin, and then he comes back to The Gentleman and Wrath of Man, and I'm like, okay, we have him back. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about Hercules for like five minutes because I have to get it out of my system. Hercules (laughs) is my absolute favorite of like that generation of animated Disney film, you know, from like songs from Little Mermaid through to we'll say Tarzan, I guess, was kind of the range. Um, Golden Age. Hercules, my absolute favorite to come out of this. I am so upset. Hercules was literally the only one that I was like, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. They, I don't know. I don't care what they're going to do to it. I'm going to watch it. And now I'm like, I don't know if I will. Yeah. Because the way they talk about what they're doing already feels so cringy. And just out of touch with what people actually want. I can read the quote. I have. Yeah. Read the quote. Okay. So I don't have to. So I believe this was Joe Russo. He says, there are questions about how you translate it, it being Hercules, as a musical. Audiences today have been trained by TikTok, right? What is their expectation of what a musical looks like and feels like? That can be a lot of fun and help us push boundaries a little bit on how you execute a modern musical. He put TikTok in there, and that just gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. What is this going to be? I'm not on TikTok. No, nor am I. I, I am run going social to get, media accounts for my. Friends. I am going to get very old man yells at cloud here. Um, I apologize. 
Uh, Maestro Scorsese's coming out. <laughs> but like, from what I understand of TikTok, and again, I'm not on TikTok, but my wife, I, you know, I have you an account. Understand. Like, I, I understand what TikTok is. Yes. Yeah. I, kind of. I know. This is very beginning. That's how old man yells at club begins. <laughs> I know about TikTok. I've had um, TikTok. <laughs> from my understanding, there's not singing on there. It's like a lip sync. It's like a, um, you know, like creating content based off of content that already exists. Yes. yes. Um, Copy paste stuff. Yeah. Which nothing wrong with that. Totally. Um, sure. I don't know how you translate that into musical. <laughs> and like the inference is that like there aren't modern musicals. Right. Which is just not true. We just had like three in the past two well, years. Well, yeah. Like you want to have a conversation about how to translate a modern musical. Like look at Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. West Side Story. Look at, I mean, West Side Story is like here is sure, literally exactly sure. how West Side Story was back there. <laughs> but like. But it worked. It works. And like. I mean, Hamilton is like, you know, mm-hmm. modern musical stuff. It's like you don't need to by pulling TikTok into it. It feels very much like a hey, we're trying to, like, get these kids to take our shit seriously. And I'm just not here for that. I'm like, it feels like it's going to be a movie that's trying to create scenes that people will want to mimic on TikTok. Yes. Yes. Which is. Old Man Yells at Cloud, not storytelling. It's not cinema. Well, no, I like, and I'm not even, but like, it's one of those, like, if your intent is to create something as a consumable product. Yeah. You know, then like, sure, that's something. But all of this is just boiling boiling down to me being super defensive of Hercules. (laughs) So I don't know. Beloved. I, I still want Chris Pratt and Aubrey Plaza in the in the lead like forever yeah i think that ship has sailed i think it's been cast but um, yeah i'm sure it does and then guy Ritchie, we're like we're just like i I don't this is not where i want guy Ritchie focusing his efforts how much are they paying guy Ritchie? lynn miranda manuel manuel miranda. sure manuel miranda lynn manuel miranda i always get those mixed up that's okay i'd be intrigued by that sure I don't know where we're getting Guy Ritchie as a musical director. I just don't. I didn't, it, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss I, yeah. for words. Like, <laughs> like it was like just, an interesting when they, they announced Aladdin. I was like, interesting. Okay. That could be interesting. And then it yeah. wasn't. And then it didn't work at all. And now we're going back. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Like was Aladdin, hold on, let me check out the box office because, because was it a massive success? I, okay, it made over a billion dollars. Really? $1.051 billion. Well, there it is, I guess. But it's a bad movie. Like, And we'll talk about box office in another week or two because I have some thoughts on that. But it it's, it's like there used to be, like if we're going back to like the OG Hercules Aladdin, yeah. there was a reason to make those movies. And the reason wasn't to just get a ton of people to watch them necessarily and to just to get the widest audience possible to just create memes about this and do TikTok dances with this and, you know, have it be charting all the time. This is quite literally like I'll even give the Lion King remake a pass because this is worse. This is literally them saying we need to make this as like 
easily accessible and yeah. as just base level as we possibly can to get people to get kids to like this. Yeah. Like this is not what kids are into now. If they don't like the original Hercules, what makes you think they're going to be into this? Like yeah. just make something else. Like if you're going to do this, do it, but just don't do it to fucking Hercules. Yeah. Like And I mean it is one of the like we're going to get it to all of them. We're getting the little mermaid. We're gonna get we got I'm like all already kind of at a loss of which ones we haven't gotten yet. Like I know. <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame hasn't hasn't happened yet. Um, that'd be a that'd be that'd be in there. I mean Tarzan, you know. Um but like we've hit most of the major ones in there. Yeah. And, but and they make no impact on pop that's, culture. Yeah. That's what it, I mean like they come and they go. Hercules is incredibly dear to me. Aladdin is incredibly dear to me and I'm like you know, the Aladdin movie was 3 years ago now and like trash. No one's talking about it. Like I have a bigger chip on my shoulder about it now because it's Will Smith and fuck that guy. Uh, But that's all people talk about is how bad Will Smith looked in that movie. Yeah. That was the conversation from start to finish. Yeah. Like nobody talked about if it was good or bad. I don't know. The Russos are an interesting. Yes. Let's bring it back to the Russos. We can. Yeah. Vent on Hercules. (laughs) When Hercules gets closer, we'll have some serious. I will despair. But the Russo bros are an object of of fascination for me. I think both of us, just because of the way that they've kind of positioned themselves in Hollywood and in and in culture, because yeah. they, like you said, have become these massive figures, almost to the levels we've never seen for filmmakers who have just been given blank checks by everyone. Yeah, Amazon, Netflix, Disney, like they're just writing four hundred, five hundred million dollar checks to these guys to just do question mark yeah and it's interesting because they came from a very very obviously just a very very minor art house background where they were just creating these really obscure indie films and then they got a, an interesting note from steven soderbergh one time who was like don't do this anymore or you will never have a career and they pivoted hard and this was like around arrested development around community like they yeah. had their ha- fingers in that but it was pre all the Marvel stuff, obviously. And now they've become this, like they've almost gone completely the opposite direction and almost to their detriment, I think. But, but is it really? Because now they've, they've positioned themselves to be the, the go-to guys for whatever. And for yeah, everything. I don't love their movies, but give it another couple years when they really can do whatever they want to. Yeah. And I mean, look at they—they they have a production company um, called the AGBO, which, like, if you look at their filmography, it's like everything, everywhere, and Relic, and yeah. Twenty One Bridges, and Assassination Nation, and like, like some really, really good independent films. And so, like, is it a case of they're scamming Hollywood <laughs> into being like, yeah, you want cookie cutter BS? nothing burger ridiculous action storylines that are just as simple as you can possibly get that'll make you a billion dollars so we can go fund these other projects for filmmakers who like give a shit if that's their thing keep on making the gray man dude make the gray (laughs) man universe and give zoe saldana you know 400 million or you know 20 million dollars to make her movie like yeah let's do it (laughs) yeah like and that's the interesting thing and that's like you know, you, you look at all the old school 
um, like Hollywood filmmakers there. It's like the, yeah, like one for you and one for me, one for you, one for me. They're yeah. kind of playing that game, yeah. but on just a whole nother level, they're playing like six for me, five for you. And then seven in two years. Right. You know, I mean, just looking at their listing here, like the Citadel project alone for Amazon is insanely massive and is going to be a cultural like cornerstone yeah for its time yeah you know and you know like there's just their endless endless impact on all kinds of stuff across the board like you're saying yeah and yeah i don't think their intention is to i think they're playing a lot like you're saying i think they're playing a larger game and they're playing the game long con (laughs) yeah like they're here to here to do it um they're here to be involved in hollywood they're not here to make movies they're here to like be involved yeah um i don't really know where i'm going with what i'm saying here but like i'm on board though (laughs) like they are names that are gonna be known like long beyond their time in hollywood Yes. However long that may be. Yes. You know, you look at your like, um, I'm trying to think of like major players from like the 50s, 60s kind of thing um, that I can draw a comparison without like being horrifying because I want to say like, <laughs> yeah, like you you consider it like an Alfred Hitchcock kind of impact thing, which is like a horrifying comparison to make. Like the Russo but, brothers ain't no Alfred Hitchcock. Sure. But we as cinematic analysts will be able to talk about their impact on things for a long time. Yeah. Because I mean, you can, you can take your point from infinity war and Endgame. Yeah. But that gave them a tipping point to sort of go where they want to. Yeah. And I think they like to kind of loop back to what we were originally saying. They right. want to go in a good direction. They want to bring Hollywood. Yes. It almost seems honestly like they want to bring Hollywood away from massive franchises. Yeah. As weird as that says, like, or as weird as that sounds because they are just putting together massive franchises, you know, like the gray man extended universe um, and Citadel will be a huge oh, yeah. extended universe. Um, but like, is it just to play the game? Yeah. And are they going to keep finding things like everything everywhere? Right. That's like, you know, $10 million budget made made like $200 million or something like, you know, and was stuff a, that's and is a cornerstone for a lot of yeah. young filmmakers. Like that's the yes. thing. How many times, how many people did you see when everything everywhere first came out? They were like, this movie changed my life. Dude, everyone who saw it. Yeah. <laughs> was like, oh my God. And it's like, that's the kind of thing. If you're making moves to put that kind of stuff into the zeitgeist mm-hmm. power to you. Yeah. I will sit through the yellow man and the gray man and the green yeah. man and the blue man and the whatever. Yeah. Um, oh God, I really hope they make the blue man and it's David Cross. <laughs> He's got to have a cameo. If David Cross is not in the blue man, I will riot. I mean, they, they have to, they have to, they wouldn't. That's the thing is like, I think these guys are just too smart yeah. to be throwing away all of their actual integrity. Yeah. I just don't think that's possible. Like I, I, and I've said a lot of bad things about the Russo bros, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, how do you go from community and arrested development to the gray man? 
like that's the thing where it's like something with so much passion and soul and ingenuity into something that's the exact opposite of that it's got to be just because you understand the game you're playing and you're like i know how to get 200 million eyes on this yeah i know how to make a billion dollars at the box office you know and it's interesting fine i guess (laughs) i'm harping on my blue man like idea here (laughs) um as insane as that sounds yeah like it would be the smallest thing to do Mm -hmm. and it would like ripple through social media epically yes and like everyone would have to like that's the kind of thing that like I think they have that knowledge base to realize that that's something that would hit. And I yeah. realize I'm just making the argument for like, maybe Hercules won't be so insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the equivalent of that is, but like, yeah, I guess I've talked myself into believing that like, they might actually be able to pull that off. I don't mark. think, I don't think their goal for this type of thing is to pull it off. Like, like pulling it off can mean very different things. Like, pulling it off can mean Disney Plus gets X number of subscribers or, you know, 200 million hours watched or something like that. Or pulling it off can be like every critic in America is saying that this is actually something worth checking out. Their idea of pulling it off, it probably depends on where they're working. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, for Marvel, pulling it off is, is Endgame. For Disney... Or for Netflix, pulling it off is the gray man because like they know the algorithm. They're like, listen, Red Notice made yeah. or did this many numbers. Let's do the gray man, which is even less of a movie than Red Notice is. And people will love it because Ryan Gosling's in it, you know. Um, Disney, we'll see. You know, we'll see with Hercules. But I don't know if their goal is like, let's make the best movie possible. Let's just make what Disney wants us to make and is, do it as best we can. Is their goal not necessarily cinematic integrity but cultural impact yes i think so that's a really interesting way to to put it because that changes the whole conversation around the gray man mhm yeah and would defy pretty much any metric that we're trying to project onto it yes interesting i think these guys are are too smart for for the place that I've put them in yeah. my mind. <laughs> well, and like that's the thing. We're sitting here being like, oh, this and this and this. But like with our lens of their goal is to make good cinema and they're failing right. at that. Right. Oh, I'm going to have goal. to chew on this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We can leave it at that. Because I think we're going to need to sit on it. But it's an interesting thing to think about when you listen to these guys talk and understand that, like, they love movies. Yeah. They love making movies. They're just in a position where they understand where culture is and movie culture is for big blockbusters making money where um, studios and streamers want to put their money. Yeah. You know? So... Mm. If they can keep producing everything everywhere while doing the gray man's, yeah, then like by all means, if that gives them the the power to do that, that's fine. I don't have to watch the gray man, but I will go see everything everywhere, you know. So I don't well, know. like 
<laughs> I'm just scrolling through their like producer credits here. It's like, yeah, well, we're getting Citadel at Amazon. They're also doing remakes of the Thomas Crown Affair and yes. a TV show of the Warriors. Yes. Like stuff that's not like in the public conscience right now. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I that's was just talking about how I wanted a longer cut of the Warriors and I True, Rock true, and, roll. and I said go. that I wanted a, a series off the Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, yeah, but you know, they're Michael listening B. Jordan to us. starring in the Thomas Crown Affair, by the way. Ooh, I like that. As I would, but assume, again, Thomas Crown, dude. Like we, this is—is is this not a perfect representation of what's going on? We've talked about both the Warriors and the Thomas Crown Affair as yeah. being like this is something small that could have been made into something more, and they're literally doing that. That's lingering in the public consciousness. Yeah. And can be exploited, yeah. That's literally what they're doing. Wow, I've kind of changed my tune on them just during this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right, like, I mean, I'm still terrified for Hercules. Oh, that's going to be. Um, yeah. But if you look at them as like, here, here's their cultural impact versus here's their filmography. Yeah. Different conversation, man. Yeah. Wild. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the Russos. We have not seen the last of them by a long shot. Um, and they're, they're only producing more and more stuff, TV, yeah. uh, movies, everything on all streamers. I mean, they're they're definitely some of the most sought-after filmmakers and creatives in the industry now. So we'll keep tabs. We'll keep telling you about it. <laughs> Probably change our opinions a couple more times. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for this week, guys. That'll bring us home. Oof. That will definitely bring us home. <laughs> That was a wild ride on the Russos there. I got like all heated and then I was like, I know. oh, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like we're, we're going through it in real time here, guys. So, <laughs> um, But shall we r- slide on over into our recommendations here? Yes. Although I will, before we do that, I do want to point out, um, go yeah. on the IMDb for The Electric State, which is the next movie oh, yeah, being yeah. directed by <laughs> the Russo brothers. Holy shit. I'm excited for this. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Yes. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Recommendations. So this is another Jess. Another Jess rec. Yes. I will say... So the, the prop for this week is movies that were good, but... Oh, I, I don't even know if this is the way to say it, but like may have been better with a different person in a lead role. Yeah. Um, and I won't yeah. even qualify necessarily lead role, but in a major role. Um, yeah. yeah. This comes off a, a big conversation I had with my wife the other day about a uh, show that might have not had the best casting. Um, yeah. You can tune into Tuned In on Sunday uh, to hear a little bit more on that. But uh, Josh, do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first on this one? Um, I kind of want to go first. Okay. Cause I want to, I have a couple, so I, I, I'm going to give you a couple recasting like substitutes. I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't know if we were supposed to do that or not, but I, I have a bunch I, here. We were. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Mine is going to um, be pretty straightforward. So. Oh, okay. Mine kind of is, but kind of isn't. So I chose a movie that I really enjoy. Like this is hard. Let me tell you guys, this, <laughs> this was is pretty hard. really hard. <laughs> Cause like, it's gotta be a movie that you like, but you can see somebody else doing the major roles. Yeah. Um, so I chose a Danny Boyle movie from, I believe, 2010, maybe, uh, 127 Hours because mm. of a couple reasons. Ooh. One, James Franco has been kind of, he, he's been 
<laughs> he's James Franco. He's James Franco. So you know how that goes. You know the baggage now, that I, comes along with that statement. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I think he did pretty well in this role. Yeah. But given the baggage and given the fact that I just wanted to do this exercise, I was like, there's a lot of people who could do this, especially in this time period. Um, the one that I was thinking about, and like obviously we were talking about Dahmer and stuff earlier, is like, mm-hmm. I feel like Evan Peters could do this. I think he would be mm-hmm. really good in this role, especially in this time period. Although, might have been a little young for 2010. Yeah. Um, in this period of time, I also was thinking Miles Teller or Robert Pattinson, just because hmm. there are actors that can get to that point of like obviously if you've never seen 127 hours it documents the absolutely awful experience of aaron ralston um a climber who was i believe in Canyonlands when he got stuck under a boulder and had to do some awful things to get out yeah. of it it's a really striking movie and danny boyle is an amazing filmmaker so the movie itself does work in my opinion um but with that kind of a role, like, because I was also looking at Aaron Ralston and being like, who could kind of like, I was like, oh, Andrew Garfield, maybe, I don't know, Lucas Hedges. Like, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of actors that I'm like, you could throw into this role, but it is a solely he's on his own. Yeah. For the whole movie. I think there's and three actors can, in the entire movie, and yeah. two of them are like two other girls that have maybe, what, yeah. like two minutes of screen time? Maybe. And one of them is like Kate Morrow, which yeah. I completely forgot about. Yeah. That's, that's funny. This is this is a tough one. I, I would love to see Evan Peters do something like this now. Back then, it, it's a difficult one. Like yeah. I, I could also see Andrew Garfield easily doing something like this, yeah, like, for sure, because he's very internal with the things that's going on, and it's not as like out, like uh, like Franco. There's something almost unserious about his performance, yeah, to a point. Whereas, like, I don't think you'd get that about with his existence. And, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, out of any of those, who would you or do you have someone else that you would see in this role? I mean, I like Evan Peters, I, Andrew Garfield. I'm hesitant on because there is like a level in 127 hours or 127 hours where I expect a level of physicality. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Like he's like a, a climber and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I see that from Andrew Garfield, but he's also like facially expressive sure as opposed to physical which i guess you have to be mostly physical physical mostly facial expressive sure if you're pinned to a rock but sure sure i like but to be a climber you know yeah yeah for the rest of it like uh yeah and he's kind of lanky but right i was thinking miles teller just because of like him talking to himself i'm like i could see teller doing that so well with this personality i like that yeah i don't know that the rest of it gets there for me but i i don't know i don't know my Um, initial thought and this i don't know where this came from and i don't know how much it'll hold up uh yeah as i start to talk about it but i think um james mcavoy would be very interesting in that role oh i like that I like that because he has the internal and the external. Yeah. Like he has both. And like has that kind of like can play that physicality of like, yeah, I'm like a mountain climber. Like this is what I do. I'm going to like dive into this, you know, off this mountain into this lake. Um, Ooh, I like that. I like that. Especially in 2010. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. That'd be prime. Okay. Uh, interesting. 
all right. So there's a that's number a of really good go one. That's a that's oh thanks way better than mine. <laughs> oh okay. Well, I want to hear yours now. <laughs> so I like th- this is so hard because it's like yeah any movie that you think of that you're like I want to recommend this. It's like yeah because that person was fantastic in it. So I ended up landing on a movie that I watched that I was like kind of really. I, I I was enjoying. I was like, yeah, I, like not the greatest movie, but not the worst. Um, yeah. And then this character came along and I was like, nope, I don't buy this at Ooh. all. And it's a movie from uh, 2018 called Bad Times at the El Royale. Yes. Um, yes. This has an incredible cast. Um, this yeah, is Jeff, this Brid- Jeff Bridges, Dakota Johnson, John Hamm. Uh, Nick Offerman, you know, like crazy. Um, And then the villain. I know. (laughs) Is Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Which just doesn't work. It's just, there's nothing. It's almost there. It's almost there, but there's something inherently non-threatening about. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. He's too like nice guy. I don't know if it's, yeah. I don't know if it's the Thor. I don't know if it's like just his personality that like you know he's just like the happiest dude in the world like just he he doesn't show up until like the second or the last third of the movie right and like as soon as he showed up he spoke like he has this crazy entrance and you're like yeah no that's chris hemsworth like being a goofball um there's nothing threatening here um and it's supposed to be a really threatening character like yeah. the rest of the characters are terrified of this person. There's this looming, like he's going to show up and fuck shit up thing through the whole movie. And it just doesn't. And it's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> and it's Chris Hemsworth. And you're like, well, okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Fat Thor. Fat Thor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just. <laughs> so I thought a lot about this. Like I was all over the map on like who would be a better threat here i toyed with um michael b jordan Ooh, little killmonger action little killmonger like can be threatening but also had like there is like a level of like it's a little goofy like it, he's yeah. a little bit of a goofy character um but where i landed um was bill skarsgård oh similar kind of thing good. can be approachable but can easily turn on that like absolutely terrifying yeah hence pennywise <laughs> Hen- yeah hence pennywise uh like and i think of like the northman too where he's like there's parts of that where he's approachable and then like parts of that where he's terrifying yeah um that's a good one so yeah i i like and i think a lot of my issue with bad times at the el royale stemmed off of like the 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 final act is just like not like stressful because, because it's fucking Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. What if it was Jason Momoa? Ooh. Similar figure, similar in the space, but he's definitely played a villain before. Yeah. It can be like scary. It can be Jason Momoa. Similar like physicality, similar like everything, yeah. hair, you know, but just like I've seen him do the the thing before. 
I'm trying to place him in that movie, and all I can see is him like. There's this one clip on Vin Diesel's Instagram where him and Jason Momoa are on the the hood of a car just talking about Fast X, and that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> I mean, the thing I can think of in terms of scary uh, Jason Momoa is Khal Drogo. That's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, yeah. Which he's in the first Which season. Which he's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Well, he's spoilers. He's only in the first season. <laughs> Oh, well, sure. <laughs> I can buy that. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I like Bill Skarsgård more, but. Yeah. There's, it's like a weird, um, it's like you got to have like a force to to be reckoned with. Um, right. Alan Richard Richson was the other one I was Ooh. talking with. Just in terms of like giant guy that's just going to be like standing a foot and half over you. And having seen Reacher, I now can I now know that he could do something like mm, very interesting. Okay, all right. Damn. Yeah, that was a good one. Go. I thought that was gonna. Yeah. I, I, well, it's one of those. I was like, I had to really think back to like bad times. So yeah. I'm like, was that a good movie? <laughs> Half. It's, it was intriguing. It's, it's yeah. It's mostly there. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you have there it. There we go. There you have it, guys. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's bring it home, Josh. Where can yes. people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet on Twitter at joshfuller33. Fuller is spelled with no e. You can also find me on both Instagram and Letterboxd at Josh J. Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and on Letterboxd at Willis Film. Uh, and if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And you can find us on Letterboxd uh, at Pixel Splitters, where you will see all of our recommendations, including. Um, oh, oh, God, crap. I already forget. What was yours? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, oh, 127 hours. All right. All right. 120, <laughs> including 127 hours and bad times at the El Royale. Yes. And yes. also, and. I just added a tuned in list. Ooh. So you can now find all of our movie watching tuned in stuff Excellent. on there as well. So Ooh. even more content for you on So much. So much. We love it. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. I guess that'll bring us home. Um, oh, definitely. I realized the other day uh, that when I've been saying end of pod at the oh. end of these pods, it's actually a Ron Swanson quote. Uh, where he, whenever in the in the series he's giving a speech, he will say something to the likes of, please do not mistake my talking right now with interest in talking to you. End of speech. <laughs> and Parks and Rec has just reached so deep into my subconscious <laughs> that I was like, and end of pod. If there's anybody that you should be quoting for the end of the podcast, it should be Ron Swanson. Ron Ulysses Swanson. (laughs) Let's go. End of pod.